Welcome back to another episode of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League, presented by 78 Sports. I'm Owen Shadrick alongside Matt Ferreira. And another great week of baseball, Matt. Let's get a standings update right off the bat. Yeah, we got Vermont was at the top of the pack, 14 and 5. Worcester not far behind, though, only a half game back. You see New Britain and Westfield in the three and four spots, a half game apart from each other, with Norwich a game behind them and Pittsfield a game behind Norwich. As we can see, it's very close near the top. And Nashville and Brockton wrap up the bottom of the standings, a game apart from each other. Yeah, everything is very close here. As again, we're only in June, plenty of time for these teams to come out of the woodwork and make runs to the top of the standings, but a good playoff picture so far. And in terms of guys that are playing well, we've got a couple of Westfield pitchers and Joe Espinola and Kevin Zarnock who are pitching very well, a 165 and a 274 ERA, respectfully. In the hitting department, Tyler Bastunas still leads the league in pretty much every category. Nick Searcy has done very well himself at in 364. And we had uh, Shane Walkley of the Nashua Silver Knights. He's starting to pick it up. He's hitting 347. In terms of our player and pitcher of the week, we had those winners for you. And I know, I know you guys were very anxious for those, uh, but we did have them for you last Monday. Christian Scanlon of the New Britain Bees, nine for 15, three doubles, a home run, and seven RBIs. Congratulations to him on a great week. And Trey Yesu of the Westfield Starfires, another great pitcher, pitching well for them this season. He went seven innings. Three hits, no runs, and five strikeouts. Guys are playing well, Matt. Yeah, and don't ask for next week's. It's Friday. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're recording this on Friday morning. We have no idea who the player and pitcher of the week are for this week, so please stop asking us. In terms of other Futures League news, we have another debut upcoming in Hollywood. Emmett Sheehan of the New Britain Bees, formerly of the New Britain Bees, will be debuting for the Los Angeles Dodgers this week. Congratulations to Emmett on that honor. We also have officially announced our Nesson games for this season. We will have three Thursdays in July and the first Thursday in August, which we're really excited for. To run through the games for you, the Vermont Lake Monsters are in Worcester at Fitton Field to face the Bravehearts on Thursday, July 13th. A week later on Thursday, July 20th, the Brockton Rocks will be in Nashua to face the Nashua Silver Knights. The Westfield Starfires get their Nesson action Thursday, July 27th, and as they're in Norwich to face the Norwich Sea Unicorns, and we'll finish up in Vermont on Thursday, August 3rd, when the Worcester Bravehearts face the Vermont Lake Monsters once again. It's going to be great. We're so excited to be back on Nesson this season. We also want to put you guys in the direction of our YouTube page. Besides this wonderful podcast, we also have a great all-access pass to the Norwich Sea Unicorns done by one of our interns, Caroline Durr. Can't thank you, Caroline, for that great video. You guys definitely got to tune in to that. Once again, it's on our YouTube page. Don't miss it. For this episode, we have a 2022 Futures League champion in Zach Getshire, who, Matt, he had a lot to say on this episode. For sure. He gave valuable insight playing in two of the toughest conferences in college baseball, along with his time in Nashua and winning his championship. Yeah, Getch, a very important part, a glue guy for that 2022 championship team. Talked a lot about that and also was part of the transfer portal, Matt. He was, and it's valuable to get the insight of these guys who have been through it and what they think it does for college sports. Yeah. From Clark university after four years to Southern New Hampshire last year, it's, it's great to hear his perspective. He's a great guy and you're going to love this interview. We want to get you there. So here is 2022 champion Zach Getshire. 
We are honored to welcome our next guest here on Back to the Futures. He was a 2022 champion with the Nashville Silver Knights, and he is back for the 2023 season. It's Zach Gitshire. Zach, how you doing today? Pretty good. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited, and I uh, can't wait to you know be on the podcast and talk to you guys. And Gitch, I'm going to jump right into it. You're back for in Nashville for season number three. What brought you back, and how have you felt so far? Um, honestly, just last year's run was, was magical. Um, teammates I had and the, uh, coaching staff along with the GM, the interns, um, it, it was a blast and Nashville has a special place in my heart. Um, it's, it's like a second or second home to me. Um, and they've, the fans have always been, um, special. So it's made me want to come back for sure. Yeah, and you talked about it. the biggest storyline coming into this season was the fact that you guys were the 2022 champions. And before we get into the specifics, what did it mean to you to be crowned Futures League champion? Um, honestly, it was a lot of emotions. Um, you know, in high school and stuff, we were always like one or two games away from a state championship or um, in other leagues that I had played in during COVID, we were always like one game away. Um, so to come to Nashua... Um, come back off of a year that was a little disappointing for us um, in 2021 and have the run that we had going from pretty much dead last of to first um, and winning the whole thing with how everything turned out was uh, extremely special. A lot of emotions, kind of, kind of some happy tears mixed in. Um, and it was, uh, it's just awesome to be on top for sure. Yeah. And you said it last season was, Tough start, bad record, lower in the standings. You guys didn't really have your footing, but then you started to get some pieces back on your team and ended up on top. How did you guys stay locked in and continue to believe in yourselves and and ended up uh, at the top at the end of the day? Honestly, I think that that team, um, even in the beginning, like I was there from the beginning and we were pretty loose. We, you know, um, we, I mean, the temp guys were great. Everyone that we had was great. It just, we weren't, fully clicking just yet um and then when once we got everyone it was like like there wasn't a person on that team that um and i i i think i speak for everyone um that people didn't like like everyone really loved everyone on that team like we still like all are very close and talk um and i honestly think that that camaraderie and like brotherhood like wanted us to win for each other like we were playing for each other more than anything else. Um, obviously like the fans and everything else comes into play, but we just knew we were like, look, we have something special here with how close we are. Like we need to win. We need to do this. And you you talked a little bit about the emotions of the season and riding the roller coaster. Um, you guys lost game one of the finals in blowout fashion to Vermont before coming back and winning the final two games. What was the message after game one? Um, well, it's kind of, it's kind of typical natural fashion. Like we, we always start out slow. Um, we always kind of like take our lumps and our bruises. And, uh, I think the message was, is like, Hey, look, like we're a great team. Like that's a great ball club on the other side of us. Um, but like, we want it. Like we want this more. Um, and we were just like, look, look we got to come out tomorrow, give these fans a show and not lose at home. Um, and we did just that. Um, it was, it was really awesome. So, but the message was basically just like, Hey, like, look, 
it is what it is. That game's over with. Like we got, we got another day to play and uh, we win that one. And they don't want us winning that one. And you talked about having the show at home, but you guys had the show on the road as well with Kyle Wolf, who belted that home run to give you guys the lead late. And that would give you the title eventually. What was going through your head when the ball went over that fence? Um, well, I still call him my hero. So I, every time he shows up, like he showed up for his ring the other night and I'm like, Oh, my hero's here. Um, and honestly, like I was in the dugout, I heard it and I looked up and I saw the thing going and I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. He just, he just won the game. Like the game, the game's over. Um, like we, I knew we had Andrews in the bullpen. I'm like this, like, there's no way this is happening. And, uh, we all like, you can see the videos, like everyone's coming out of the dugout, losing their minds, like going nuts. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was like one of those surreal moments where you're like, did that really just happen? Like, did it really, did we really just like take the lead like that in like a packed stadium of 4,000 fans? Um, so I, honestly, I, I kind of like blacked out for a second. I was like, I don't know what is going on. Um, but it was uh, it was special. And you talked a little bit about Andrews there and your trust in him. He was nails all year. And despite the bases loaded scare in the ninth that he had there, he closed it and got the save. What's it mean to see him do that in the finals? Um, we actually, so when we were in carry um, for Snoo, we went down to, uh, we went out to Wake Forest to watch him play Maryland. The game got rained out. So we talked to Will for uh, me and Welch. And Kyle Levine talked to Will for probably two hours, just standing in the rain. Um, and so to see him do that is uh, something special. Like he was, he was obviously great for um, Wake Forest that year. Um, and to have him and like just who he is as a person um, close that game out is really special. Like he's a great friend to me. Um, probably one of my best friends that I've had. Um on the teams that I've played on and uh, it was awesome to watch him battle through it, uh, pitching two innings or an inning in a, however many outs the day before and come back and do that was, uh, it was special. Yeah, that was an impressive performance. And it's great to hear that, you know, guys like Andrews who are on other teams when you come out of summer ball are still great friends of yours, despite, you know, not playing together all year, like you said, on, on snoo or on wake forest. And the most impressive thing to me about that championship, and I, I asked everybody that uh, has come on the podcast on that championship team, it's the fact that Noah Walker, a guy who came out of the bullpen all year, started that game and gave you guys quality innings to set you up to win that game. As a guy who was in the bullpen all year with him, what was it like seeing that effort and, and just watching him do what he does and help you guys put you in a position to win that game? Oh, it was. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better person and guy like clubhouse guy like whatever you want to call him to like go out and take that ball like he was like i'm winning this game like i'm gonna win this game for us i'm gonna keep us in it and we're gonna win um so to see him go from like um beginning of the year to the end of the year was an awesome progression like he he was pretty nails um towards the end of the year and from that middle on once we started getting hot like that bullpen really turned it on um, so to see him like in everything that he went through last summer with one of his coaches, um, unfortunately passing away, it was, uh, 
it was special, not only for him, but for us to see a guy like that succeed and battle through so much. Yeah, I had Noah and Jonah on the podcast early last summer, and it was they were not. It, it came off one of a bru- like a brutal loss for you guys, so they were <laughs> their mood was not very very great. And I reference that with them all the time when the championship came around, and it was it's just funny now to look back on that and the fact that they were so like so down bad because of what you guys <laughs> were going through, and and then they were on the, on top at the end of the day. Yeah, that, that that those two are great. They're they're great guys. Um, and it was it was awesome to see those two enjoy their moment. Man, real quick, we'll get back to 2022 in a second. But Noah Walker is actually your pitching coach now, so I want to ask what the dynamic is like there, and if if you've learned anything new from him so far that you haven't already learned with him as your teammate. I think uh, honestly, the be- the beginning of the year, he like he was taught. We were talking. He's like he had told me he was a pitching coach, and I said, "Oh, that's awesome! Like, congrats, man! Like, I'm happy to like be working with you." And he like sent me out this whole, like, he took notes on everyone. Um, he had like a note sheet for every single guy on the roster. Um, and for summer, like the past two years of summer ball, like I hadn't seen anyone do that. So that was uh, awesome to see out of him. And he works extremely hard. Um, so the dynamic is he kind of, he, he basically told me, he was like, look, man, like, I know we're pretty close friends. Like, I don't want to like get you mad or anything. So if you're ever upset about anything, like just let me know. Um, and I was like, dude, like, I'm not going to get mad. Just like you do, you do what you got to do. Like I want to win. Um, but I, one of the first games uh, that I was back for, he came out, he was like telling me the plan. And I said, Noah, I don't want to know the plan. Just throw me in the game. If, if I'm in the game, I'm in the game. I don't want to know any plans. Just you do you and whatever. Um, but no, so I've, I've learned a lot. Um, just like seeing how he like works with guys. Um, he's very like on top of it. He's trying to like help you make smaller adjustments in your bullpens and stuff. Um, nothing too out of the ordinary for me because I'm kind of older. So I, I kind of get it, but like watching him work with the younger guys um, has been really awesome to see. Um, and he's been helping a lot of them. So it's, it's been great to see out of him. So my next question was if you could see him prior to this year being in a coach's role, but you, I think you kind of answered that. Yeah. He's uh, his dynamic his his like, as a player, he's, he's a little different um, than as, as a coach. So he's, he's definitely um, taking it very seriously as a coach, Um, as a player, like that bullpen was like no other. We were a lot of fun to be around and just uh, we, we really all enjoyed each other's presence. Um, so if you asked me that at the end of the year, I would have been like, no, no, Noah, come on. And then, but to see him now, it's like, no, he's, he's going to be a great coach. Um, whether he's here for 10 years or if he goes somewhere else to be a pitching coach at a college, high school, wherever, um, he's going to be a very good coach wherever he goes. Yeah, certainly. We can definitely see a coaching future ahead of Noah Walker for sure. And I want to ask you kind of generally going back, obviously we talked about the tough start to the year and the fact that you guys started to pick it up toward the middle of the year. When did you know personally that the 2022 team could probably win the whole thing? Um, I think McNamara's walk-off homer was probably the biggest turning point that or the Worcester game doubleheader. We got blown out by Worcester in game one and we <laughs> Nashua and Worcester don't always get along, even though we have the same owner. Um, is that rivalry there? Um, 
and they they blew us out. And KJAX kind of ripped into us a little. And then the guys just like we just got it going. We had chance. We had everything down. We were ready to go. Um, we came out. We beat Worcester in a tighter game. I think it was like a five four six four game after it. And we were like, all right, like let's do it. Um, but that McNamara homer after KJAX gets tossed. We're in a tight game. B Mart's coaching, and he hit the ball, and we're. I'm like, oh my god, like we're we're here. Like, we, that was the first win streak that we had. We were like five and thirteen, lost two more. I think we were like five and fifteen, something like that. And then we won like six, and we we're like, okay, we're we're around it. And then we won another ten, and we we're like, okay, now we're like five hundred or just above. Um, so once we hit that like five hundred mark, I was like we got a really good shot. Like we're in second place at 500 right now or third place, whatever it was. Um, and then we just didn't look back. Like the guys were just gelling. Like there was, there was no like cracks in the armory. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because I believe I was at the McNamara game and I missed, I was like recording the entire inning and I missed that one home run, of course. But I've, I, it might've been Welch or somebody else who came on the podcast and or Andrews and said that exact same thing. It was that Worcester doubleheader. And KJAX doesn't usually do that. He doesn't usually rip into you guys. And but um, yeah, they were saying that that was <laughs> that was kind of the moment that everybody's like, all right, time to wake up, time to go. He, he's typically yeah, he's typically pretty brief. Like even after lo- like bad losses where we blew a game, he's just like, all right, pick it up, come back tomorrow, let's go. Um, but yeah, he was he was pretty fired up about it. Um, and it, I, like I think you need that sometimes. Um, and I think that group worked really well with it because we kind of played with a chip on our shoulder. After that, we were kind of like, this guy's not going to yell at us. Like, we, we got to win, man. Like, I'm, I'm tired of getting yelled at. <laughs> so, uh, no, but we, we – uh, he he's he ignited it um, along with just everything that transpired in that game. And talking about another member that we had on the podcast the last season that was a member of the 2022 team and is back this year, George Welch. What have you learned from him and what's it like being with him in Nashua and at SNHU? Um, so Welch, Welch and I have been, we like were friendly in 2021. We weren't all that close. And then 2022, we ended up getting really close. Um, and like, like he doesn't even call me Gitch. He calls me Glitch. So I call him Walch. And like, we just like, we have that relationship where we just kind of mess around with each other. Um, but honestly, I think learning from him has been like kind of that fire that he has, um, especially late in games. Like I come in, I like to show a lot of emotion. Um, and I think that he's like, we kind of play off of each other in that sense. Um and I think watching him come into tight games and just how composed he is, and this this is also to Will Andrews's um, credit too, is like watching those two guys come out and like how composed they are. It's like, all right, we're winning this game. Like I'm here to just deal. Um, so I think that I've learned a lot from him in that sense and just like being loose. Like I, I'm a pretty loose guy as it is, but um, he's definitely helped keep me loose too. So. And you talked about it a little bit before, but what's your relationship like with Kyle Jackson and the GM Cam Cook? Yeah, so me and KJAX have had kind of a bumpy road. Um, like begin 2021, we were like kind of like at each other's ends. Like we weren't really close, weren't really like 
too, too, like, we weren't like buddy, buddy. Um, and I think last year, I remember me and him had a disagreement over something. Um, and he like called me down and like, we talked it out or whatever. And, uh, he was basically like, we just kind of developed a lot of respect for each other. I, I think I, at least I did. I developed a lot of respect for him because he was like, look, like, you know, here it is. Like I made a mistake and I said the same thing. Like I made a mistake as well. Like, and we just kind of talked it out. Um, and we've really like kind of bonded over that. Um, and now we're like a lot more like friendly and like close, which, which I like because it's, uh, it's always good to be close to your manager and be able to have those tough discussions. Um, and I think that he's a guy that like, you know, he, he makes a lot of tough decisions and honestly, a lot of them go right. Um, and the ones that he, you know, he may have like made a wrong decision or whatever, if he thinks that, um, he owns up to it. And I have a lot of respect for him for that. Um, so my relationship with KJX is, is gone from like, ah, like we're, we're like not really that close to like, now we're pretty close and, uh, it's, it's been awesome to see it. And, uh, for Cam, Cam and I, like, I remember in 2021, he signed me as a temp and he like calls me into his office and he's like basically like made a joke out of it. He's like, Oh yeah. Like we're not going to have you back. And, uh, I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, thank you guys. I he's like, nah, I'm just kidding with you. Like you're coming, you're staying for the whole year. And I was like, dude, you can't be doing that to me. Um, but Cam and I, like, we talk a lot, even in the off season, um, like trying to like, he'll reach out or I'll reach out and be like, Hey, are we looking for anyone? Like I have a couple like guys that like, we're talking about looking for a team or whatever. So we have a pretty good relationship in that sense. Um, but yeah, I can't, those guys have done so much for me. Um, Cam, especially, um, and KJ So like when I got in the accident in 2021, Cam was at like the bedside in the hospital when I was like hurt. Um, so I, I, I like can't thank him and KJX enough for that stuff. Um, because they, they really do care. They care about every player. It's not just the guys who have been there. Um, they really have a deep love for the game, the players, and more importantly, the organization in the league. So it's, uh, it's really awesome. And especially with KJX, we see him out there pretty much every close call asking for an explanation. He gets fired up easily. What's it like having a manager that sticks up for your players like that? No matter the scenario. I, I love it. Um, there's a lot of guys that are more laid back. Um, and I, I, I feed off of it because then I get like more fired up and I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I want to like rip this guy's head off. Like I'm, I'm ready to go. Like I want to win this guy like is fight out there fighting for us. Let's win a damn game for him. Um, and I think that that's uh, like, you go back to that Pittsfield game. Like he's fired up. He's, he had been fired up the whole game. Like he gets pissed off and then it's like, look guys, like, if we're not winning this for him, like we're winning it for B Mart and the other guys, like whatever you like, we got to win for somebody here. Like we need to like turn this around. Um, so to see him do that for us, even on calls where like, you, like I'll be in the bullpen. I'm like, I, I don't know that like we're going to flip that. Like I think the umpire may have been right there and he's out there um, ripping into the guy and you're like, all right, like I, I want to win for this guy. Um, so it's, it's pretty awesome to have a guy that has your back no matter what. And we've talked a little bit about your relationships and the brotherhood that you guys had last season, but I have to ask, what is your favorite part about playing baseball in Nashville? 
Um, so I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say the fans. Um, obviously I, I love my teammates. Those guys have been awesome to me that last year's team, um, and this year's team in 2021, those guys, have, those guys are brothers for life. Um, you know, they're always going to be there for me. Um, but I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fans. Um, you know, they, those fans traveled everywhere for us last year in the playoffs. Um, and I don't think you're going to find many other teams that would do that. Um, and that, you know, no matter what rain, shine, thunderstorms, whatever it may be, like it could be a tornado out there. Mad dog would still be out there barking. Um, or, or the ladies that are always at the game, they'd still be out there wearing their Jersey. It, it wouldn't matter. Um, so it's, it's really special, um, to see that. And that's honestly one of the big reasons I wanted to come back. Like I have a very good relationship with all the um, season ticket holders and fans um, that are there and the kids. Um, and I was like, I don't think I want to try and do that again. Like I, I love it here. Um, I don't really want to leave. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I think the fans is probably my favorite part of it um, because you're not going to get an experience like that anywhere else. In my opinion, um, you know, they love you. 90% of the time and they hate you that 10%, but that, that hate that they have on those bad days um, really motivates you to be the best player you can be. So. Yeah, that's great. And obviously that, that applies to all our fans around the futures league, but specifically in Nashville, especially last year's championship run, they were all right there the entire way, even in, in even in Vermont, they had a great crowd. Vermont. Hold on. We'll get right back to back to the futures, but first we want to share a message from our friends at 78 sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England, not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before. I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home and commercial sports training facilities, so let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. And you've been in Nashua for three seasons, and we've had many guys on this podcast and many guys during interviews after the game associate you with uh, the glue of the team and a very important voice in the locker room. What does that mean to you as uh, a guy that has consistently been attributed to be a glue guy and, and someone that these guys look up to in the locker room? Um, I, uh, I honestly just like, it's not something I like do like purposely. I think that I just like, I know what it means and I know what it takes to win. And I know that like that camaraderie and that friendship and like, like I, I always try to pick out on the quiet guys. Like if you're going to be quiet, then I like, I'm going to break you out of your shell a little bit. I'm going to try to, um, so I always kind of try to like get them to break out of their shell a little bit. Um, and I think that it just really, it really helps the team a lot. But, um, from my perspective is like, I got, I got to put myself out there. Like I've been here long enough. 
Um, these guys looking up to me really means a lot to me because uh, I think that it, and even like Welch um, shoe is back this year. Um, Mac is back this year. Deroma, like we have all those guys that are back. Um, just be, being able to like be that glue that keeps teams together is, is something that's special, regardless of how much you play or whatever. Um, I mean, you look at major league teams, they have those guys that like, maybe play, I don't know, like 20, 30 games, but like they're the guy in the clubhouse that's making you laugh on the, on the 13, nothing losses. They're the guy that's there's uh, messing around on the bus. Um, they're the guy that's, you know, having fun with the other teams. So it's, uh, it's, it's really special to, to have that for sure. And when you enter a locker room, whether it's this year in Nashua in your third year or Southern New Hampshire after you transferred there, what's the most important thing for you? You said you mentioned breaking guys out of, out of their shells, but what other things are important to you? And how do what do you believe are the most important aspects in building team chemistry? I think, um, honestly, I think building a culture of like just being loose um, because this game is a failure game. And the more you get down on yourself, the more you get mentally like drained about it, the worse you're going to be and the worse off the team is going to be um, like there's plenty of like star guys on the t all the teams that I've been on. And I think that like trying to help them as well as like the other guys who may not be playing um, like just stay out of their own head about it. Like we just need to be loose, have fun, man. Like, it's a fun game. You, you got a finite amount of time on this earth and like playing in general. Um, so you, you just got to enjoy it. Um, I think that's really the biggest thing along with like obviously having fun with, with each other. Yeah. And that is very evident in, in summer ball. And obviously going into a college locker room is a lot different than going to a summer ball locker room. And people may argue that summer ball is, is just that it's just summer ball, but how important do you think it is to have team chemistry on a summer ball team, especially looking at last year's team in Nashua and seeing the amount of chemistry that you guys had? Um, I think it's really the most important thing, um, especially like, it, honestly, it's more important than playing I, I, to an extent because like, you're going to be with these guys, especially in the futures, like you're playing close to 65 games. Like you're going to be with these guys through a ton of losses, through a ton of wins. Like you, if you're not close with them or friendly or joking around with them, like it's going to make for a long, boring season. And you're not going to enjoy it. Um, and you're going to go back to your coach and be like, ah, I hated it. Um, so I think that like having that just makes you want to play for each other more. And like, you know, those diving plays, it's like, oh, like I'm not just out here diving to make a, you know, some like uh, spectacular play. Like I'm out here to pick up my pitcher. I'm out here to pick up my, the guy that made an error or like as a pitcher, I'm here to make a, a pitch and then like, yell coming off the mound to like give this this team a little juice in a big spot um so i think it, it's it's probably if not the most important thing the second or third most important thing in a summer ball league because that's where you're getting your reps and really developing and that description falls perfectly into my next question you were named an Adam Keenan scholarship award winner last season given to a player who truly exemplifies what it means to play in the league what did it mean to you uh, for Nashua and the league to present you with that, uh, that scholarship? Um, it was, 
it was very special. Um, Adam Keenan grew up in Lowell. He played in Lowell, um, where my hometown is. And um, it, it just, it really means a lot um, to have an award like that and to really just show um, how much, not only that I care about the league, but that um, his foundation does. And, uh, you know, he was a very special kid from all the coaches that I've had that have had him. Um, so it was, it was awesome to obviously receive it, but to um, know that like I'm in a way like kind of carrying on how he was as a player. Um, it's just something that's really special and something that I'll never forget. And uh, I really appreciate um, his family and the league selecting me. It was, it was true honor. Before we return to back to the futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian back company. Rob Zorian started the company, Zorian Back Company, in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest-grade wood bats for Little League all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond, and after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, zorianbats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. We've talked about your time in the Futures League, but you are now at SNHU after being at Clark, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, how did you feel the season at SNHU, and what led you there? Uh, you know, I had a lot of fun. Um, I got... <laughs> I got joked that I was the old guy on the team pretty much. There were a couple that were older than me. I will say that, but, um, you know, it, it was awesome to, you know, I lived with Kyle Levine. So I lived with a freshman roommate, which was awesome. Um, and he's one of my closest friends. Um, so to just to be there and like, be that, uh, one of those guys that like guys could talk to about a lot of different things, um, was really special. And, and to be able to pitch for that, that team was was special um they like we had so many um good like player like i i haven't seen many well-rounded teams like that um at the collegiate level um especially jumping up a division um so it was really awesome to see the competition we were playing and how we competed against other teams um and being around those guys seeing their mindset um was really awesome um they were a great bunch to be around and to transfer into for sure. And this year at SNHU, you guys went on an amazing run, falling just short to the eventual national champions. When did you realize that this team was going to be as special as it was? I think um, we were 11 and eight and I forget who we were playing. I think we were starting conference play and um, we were like, we just, kind of got to beat up on the conference teams, like beat up on them and then take that momentum into um, whoever we were playing next, all those midweek, uh, the couple midweeks we had and um, the out of conference games. And that's really what we did. Um, like we took the, like once we hit that 11 and eight, we just didn't look back. I think that's when we won the 24 straight or whatever it was. Um, and we just didn't look back. We, we won one and it was like, all right, next game, let's go again. Let's just keep going. Um, so I think that's when I knew it was going to be a special year. Um, once, once we did that, I was like, we're going to 
we're going to make a good run. Um, and I knew that the other teams in the super regionals and stuff, or not the supers, but the regional in general, um, they had some good teams, some teams that, you know, we had lost to early in the year. Um, but early in the year's lineup and how we were um, doing was very different than the end of the year is kind of those, like you're working out those like kinks and like the issues that you have. Um, and we, we just turned it on. I don't think there was a team that we would have struggled with um, in that region um, at the end of the year, regardless of how we played early in the year against them for sure. So I think that that 11 and eight, it was like Skip uh, sat us down and was just like, look, like, guys, you have basically two decisions to make. Um, we either – I think it was the loss to St. A's. It was that loss to St. A's at Franklin Pierce. He he, he basically was just like, look, guys, um, like, we just rolled out some of our pretty good arms and we just got, like, kind of beat up. Um and so you have a decision to make, like we can either keep going and I got to like kind of prepare for, you know, next year or we're, we're going to turn this around and like really like want to be here and want to win. Um, and we chose that so we want to win and be here. So uh, we made a good run and uh, it was, it was awesome for sure. I think you guys chose correctly. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good decision on our part. And your situation is a little different with this because you did play out your four years at Clark, but I do want to ask about the transfer portal. Um, obviously guys are doing that plenty these days where they'll play their four years, their respective college graduate and move on for one more or two more years, depending on COVID eligibility at another place. Do you believe that the transfer portal is hurting college sports or helping college sports and specifically college baseball? Obviously it's a little more evident in other sports where it's kind of like guys are yeah. just like mid season. They're just, or sorry, mid, uh, career they're just leaving but I'm, I'm just curious about your opinion on that yeah i think in in my honest opinion i think that at the college level like i i was fortunate enough to be recruited by two well-known coaches in the area that are very honest and transparent and i can't speak for every coach in the area um but those guys were like they laid it out to me and told me exactly what was going on like this is what it is like no if ands buts about it and i appreciated that um, so I think the trend with, with regards to the transfer portal, I think it, it, it helps kids because they should be able to, like, I don't think that you should be penalized because of COVID. I'm sorry. I don't. Um, because if that's the case and I wouldn't be in this league this year, I wouldn't be able to play next year. Um, and I think that guys should be able to have a proper ending to their careers. Um, but I, I do understand the concern of um, having, you know, so many guys in there. Um, but at the same time, a lot of that boils down to whatever is happening at those schools. And some of it is is on the players. Um, some of it's on the coaches, too. So I think it's kind of a slippery slope. Um, but I don't think it's as big of a deal as some people are making it out to be. I think that, you know, I'm a very honest person. I just want honesty. So I think that that helps. Um, and as a player, I, I feel as though you have to be honest with yourself. Um, and with the coaches that you're in contact with. Um, and if you do that, I, I don't think the portal is going to hurt um, as many places as they think it will. I mean, they do say that honesty is the best policy. So yeah, I tell the kids that I teach all the time, like I've had kids, they like do something stupid. And I'm like, all right, you got two choices. You either tell me the truth 
and we're probably going to move on from it. Or you, you lie to me and you're probably going to get a zero for doing whatever you're doing. So, um, but yeah, I try to instill that a lot. So. And we've teased it a little bit about your time at Clark university. What was your time like there? Uh, I think it was, it was kind of a rocky time for me. I, I came in, I was recruited by coach uh, JP Pine, who was, um, inducted into the futures league hall of fame. Um, he was unbelievable to speak with during that summer. Um, and, uh, he had an assistant coach Trindell that was there with him. Um, those guys, they did a lot for me that summer. I, I can't thank them enough for it. Um, and then it was, it was a lot of, um, kind of rocky times. Like I, I, I came in, I got hurt freshman year right away. Um, in the spring I was doing plyo throws and like basically hurt my labrum. Um, so that year was kind of like a waste, not really, but I like pitched a little bit, but I wasn't where I'm at. Um, my sophomore year, I was winning a job in the field and I was pitching it pretty well. Um, and COVID hits of course, and, uh, come back junior year, the, the big thing for me was, you know, I got, I got to throw harder. I got to get a little bit bigger and stronger. I think I was like 170 pounds and I came back, I went to Cressy and uh, Hudson and they were unbelievable. They, they took uh, such good care of me. Um, I can't thank those guys enough. Uh, Jordan Krause, John O'Neill, all those guys, Ethan Dyer, Josh Zoll, they were unbelievable to me. Um, and I came back like 20 pounds heavier. Um, and that was attributed to like the programs that like Drew Coben and all those guys were writing. Um, so that, that was where I kind of like came back. I was like 86 to 88. I'm like, all right, this is like pretty good. Um, I was supposed to be our closer. We kind of struggled a little bit. So it was tough to be that closer. Um, it's tough to like be a closer when we're kind of getting beat up sometimes. Um, but I, I, it was, it was good to, it was good to battle through some, um, of my own things that I had to work out too. And then I got into the futures league. Um, and then my senior year, um, you know, I just, I kind of, I had to make a decision that was best for myself. Um, and I think that baseball wise, I felt as though that, um, you know, I, I had more to offer than I was, you know, being given, so to say. So I, I made a decision that um, was best for me academically and baseball wise. So that was kind of my time at Clark in a nutshell. And you also got to play under coach Billy Cather for a little bit. What did you learn from him? And did he share any experiences from his back-to-back titles in the NECBL that would help you in the futures league? So I actually didn't know that um, he had won that. Um, I think his, um, Demeanor was something that I definitely learned a lot from um, just how he kind of carried himself um, was kind of even keel. Um, so I think that was probably the biggest thing. Um, and yeah, I would say that was probably the biggest thing that I took away from that. And you played in a tough conference in the new Mac. What did you take from that into the futures league and your any 10 tenures? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that really prepared me to move on to the uh, next uh, level because 
the like everyone is like oh d2 d1 like d3 like d3 is this d3 is that but like you go play weed and they're rolling out arms that are like uh 90 92 so like it's not like that that big of a difference and in the any 10 that like those teams don't always have those arms either um so it and i i actually was looking at some of the Whedon and babson guys numbers um from the years prior so like the year before this one to now and you see the growth that these guys have and it's like oh my god like these guys are like jumping like seven eight homers a year and then they're driving in 60 as opposed to 15 to 20 the year before. So to, to be able to play against uh, competitors and um, opposing teams that are having those jumps is something that's really special Um, because it it prepares you for so much more than just playing in that league. It prepares you for this league. It prepares you for any other um, leagues that you have further down the line in your career. So funny that you mentioned that about Wheaton because when we play them in conference every year it's like <laughs> normally our thing is okay let's get the starting pitcher out let's get to the bullpen yep. let's grind out at bats you get to Wheaton's bullpen it just gets harder yeah. and harder to hit no. <laughs> no they bring out a guy like uh Josh Roberge from Snow like I remember our sophomore year of uh junior year they, they roll him out in like the eighth inning and you're like dude are you kidding me or my senior year at Clark, they roll out Quigley. I'm like, what do you do with that? <laughs> like he's 92, 94. And like, what do you want me to do with that? You want me to just, and we actually, we actually walked off on Quigs that last year. And I was like, Oh my God. I told, I told the kid hit and I said, dude, he's coming right at you with the fastball. Like he's coming right at you with it. Just hit it. And he, he hit it. So, um, but I couldn't agree more. Even when we played you guys, like those were always tough games for us to like get over the hump. Um, so it was, it was, uh, it was a special time in that league for sure. In that conference. And I was going to say, Gitch, you, you said you were looking up different numbers from different teams. How often did Matt Ferreira's name come up on your, on your list of people that you were looking at for stats? A Cu- couple times for sure. I had to, I had to, keep in check with my guys and pay attention to that. Um, I, de- I definitely try to like pay attention to everyone's stuff, everyone that I'm close with. Um, because like I get to see how they're doing, check in on them. Like I'm sure that guys around the league may be checking on me. They're probably like, ah, I don't really, I don't want to deal with him. <laughs> um, but no, for sure. Um, it's, uh, it's special to play in leagues where you have friends in the league and you have other guys like that so that you can see like kind of where they're at and how they're doing. And it, it's kind of a talking point when you like meet them in between games or whatever. So. Yeah. That's one thing I, I like to ask guys in these podcasts is always playing against guys in the futures league when you're at school. And it's always like an interesting dynamic and people are always like, Oh yeah, I'm paying attention to him and him and him. And especially if they were on your team, that's even more of a yeah talking point. For sure. And one of those guys was your teammate at Clark, and it was Nick Garino. You played with him for a little bit there in the Futures League. And I do want to ask about him because obviously he had a very good Futures League career just like yourself. Did you guys ever talk Futures League shop, and what advice did he have for you, Futures League or otherwise? Honestly, Nick, Nick's Nick's another one. Like I, I feel like I say that I have – like everyone is like my close friend, but like he's, he's another one that like I'm very close with um, – we were talking this year about the NE10s and stuff like that and um, how they – at Southern Connecticut, I, I I still can't believe that they weren't in there. But, like, 
he his his mentality is similar to mine. He's like, I'm going out there to beat guys. Like he has no like fear whatsoever. Um, he's not a guy that throws a hundred, and neither am I. So he's like, here it is. Like I'm going to beat you. Um, so I think that mentality kind of rubbed off on me a little bit, and just like how he's like, I don't care what people think of me. I don't care like anything like that. Um, I'm going to beat you with my stuff. Um, I'm not going to play your game. I'm going to play mine. So I think uh, talking to him and just being around him, that kind of helped me in the futures league. That first year I was still kind of like, eh, just trying to like throw strikes and like get some time and get guys out. Whereas like now I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to beat guys. Uh, it, it like, I'm just going to throw the thing and here we go. Let's get some outs. Um, but Nick's Nick's awesome. He's one of my favorites. So. And to take it even a step further back, you graduated high school from a little Catholic and you took the Crusaders to the state semis in 2016 and 2018. How was that experience in high school? Um, I, my high school head coach, um, Matt Stone is probably, I, I, I don't know how he doesn't have a college coaching job. He has done so much for that program. Um, he has done so much for, me as a player, but also so many other players. Um, and there's a reason why so many people go back and watch their games still that were alumni. Um, you know, he, he molded me into, um, kind of the player I am today. Like I, he was another coach that like I had a Rocky start with and now we're like, we're like inseparable. Like we text all the time. He's always like, good luck at your games. I I'm always um, staying in touch with him about that. Um, so yeah, those, those two runs that we had, um, he just prepared us better than um, anyone I could, I could have asked for in high school. Um, and I chose low Catholic because um, it was a small school, good academic school. Um, I didn't really care about like the division or anything. Like I knew that like I had to work hard no matter what to be the best player I could be. Um, and being around like the guys on those teams was awesome. Um, 2016 was a tough one for us. Uh, I, I, I shoulder some, I kind of take some of the blame for it because I, uh, I had some struggles with, um, pitching that year. Um, so I'm, I'm still a little like upset about it, but, um, he, you know, he was there every step of the way. Those, the team, those teammates were there every step of the way, no matter what, um, and in 2018, the same thing. Um, so I, I loved my time there, and I still go back. I still talk to him. He gets upset because I've helped out a little bit at one of our rival high schools um, where I'll be teaching next year. So, but we're, I, I couldn't have asked for a better high school career and experience with him and the guys that I played with in high school. That's great. And you know that's super important, obviously, with, with the way that your career has gone. Uh, it's important to get to get a good launch out of high school. So that's great that you had that experience. For sure. He was awesome. And you've primarily come out of the bullpen in college and with the Futures League. I don't know how it worked for you in high school, um, but what, is that something you always envisioned for yourself, being more of a bullpen yeah. pitcher than a starter? <laughs> Not at all. Um, I Coming out of high school, I was like, all right, like I want, I want to start. But like freshman year, like you kind of – you're just in the bullpen. Um, and so – after my sophomore year, I came back throwing a lot harder. And uh, I was, I remember that fall of college. Um, 
junior year, I was like lights out in the fall practices. Like I think I punt, I think I punched out like 13 of the 15 batters I faced, like didn't give up a hit or I gave up like one hit. And I was like, all right, like I kind of see why they want me to be like a back end guy. Um, and then going into my senior year, I was like, look, like I want to start, like, I know I can do it. Um, I think I, I like to build myself up to do that. Um, so I was kind of like teetering on that. Um, and what really cemented me in the bullpen was last year, last year's futures league team. Um, because it was like, I come in and like, you get me yelling and stuff and screaming and like, I'm feeding off of Welch and Andrews and all these other guys and shoe. Like everyone's like, like, I think it was that Vermont game. I came off the mound and there's like a clip of me like screaming or whatever. And it's on the baseball card. And I was like, you know, I kind of like the ball, but I don't have to think it's just like, yeah, whatever, throw them in there, get them in there. And like, let's bring some energy and punch guys out. So I think that's where I like, was like, yeah, starting thing. I don't know, man. Like I threw two innings um, a couple nights ago and I woke up the next day cause I hadn't thrown in a while. And I was like, dude, I'm hurting. <laughs> so I, I really enjoy the bullpen now for sure. And do you ever feel like, I guess when you said it, when coaches realize that you could more throw faster in shorter periods of time, do you feel like that's kind of how coaches lean to coach pitcher sometimes? Or is it like, do, do you see a fluctuation in that? Because I, we talked to a number of guys and I've seen it in the futures league where guys are primarily starters at school and then they come in and all of a sudden they're a bullpen pitcher by the end of the summer. Do you ever feel like, Coaches kind of coach differently depending on what they see from guys. Yeah, for sure. I think that it goes by your stuff too. Like my stuff um, plays for a couple innings, maybe three innings. Um, and then it's like, okay, like one time, one and a half times through the order. And then it's like, okay, guys, like have seen him now, his velocity and stuff are dipping or whatever the case may be. His stuff's not as sharp as it was. Um, so I think that definitely plays a role into it. Whereas starters, they're pretty consistent. They may not, always throw as hard as everyone else. Um, but they're spotting up their stuff is still sharp in the fifth inning as it was in the second or third. Um, so I think that coaches definitely look into that. And I think it's something that's smart to look into and pay attention to because you don't want to roll a guy out there like me to go five innings and watch me throwing fastballs that are like meatballs right down the middle. So. Yeah. You, you definitely do not want to throw meatballs right down the middle. <laughs> Not at all. And off of ba baseball for a second, I do want to ask, because you, you mentioned it a few times, we read on your profile that you aspire to be a teacher and have worked with the Manchester public school system. And I'm sure with a number of other schools as a student teacher, how did you get into that? And when did that become something that you were interested in? I think in high school, um, I, I had always like enjoyed working with kids. Um, and I did like volunteering for special needs um, organizations and stuff. Um, I did a little bit of tutoring. I worked with a lot of kids playing baseball, baseball camps, like everyone else, I'm sure. Um, so my dad was like, why don't you be a teacher? Like you get your summers off, you get everything. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, like why not? Um, so that was kind of the start of it. And then I was just like, all right, like let's try it out. Um, so I got into it. I went into Clark, um, for their degree like that. And, uh, my, my goal um, as a teacher or like as a person was to make change. Like I, I'm, I'm not here to just teach you math. I'm not here to teach you 
anguish or whatever the case may be. Um, I'm here because I grew up in an inner city. Um, I love my hometown. I love my friends that I grew up with that have been around so much in their lives. Um, and that's really what has inspired me is like seeing what some of my friends went through. I was lucky enough to have two parents who have always been um, there for me and like supported me and to see that like, you know, not even just that, but like my teachers too, um, like have always been there for me to, so to see some of my friends go through a different experience um, has been something that's inspired me to be that person as a teacher um, for so many of my students. And that's why when I went to SNU, one of the big things was, is I'm going to be in another inner city. Um, so even if I wasn't in Worcester, now I'm in Manchester. And uh, the experiences I've had here have been a lot of laughs, a lot of smiles. Um, sometimes you're frustrated. Um, but in the end, there were a lot of tears because of how, like, the difference, not only that, like, maybe I made, like, that's the cliche thing is, like, I made a difference. Um, but really, those kids made their own difference. Um, and they had a really, like, strong impact on me. Something else I saw that was part of your Clark degree and that you were honored for in high school was how well-versed you are in Spanish. Where did that <laughs> stem from? Um, so I grew up playing on a Calorie Park baseball team um, where we were we, – we got called misfits by one team, I remember, when we were playing because of how diverse we were. And, like, we, we had a lot of kids speaking Spanish. Um, we had girls on the team. Like, it didn't, it didn't matter to us. So when I – thought about teaching and being in an inner city um one of the things that is like kind of trending not so much trending but like the as we're getting more and more like immigrants in our country is spanish like spanish is a language that like is huge and a lot of kids know that and only speak that so when i went to clark i was like i don't know like double major like obviously it looks good but like it's more for just being able to help those kids that like may not be able to understand English. Um, so that was, that was really the root of it was where I grew up from. And like, just now um, seeing it in the schools and like being able to use it a little bit has been awesome. Yeah. And that's great that you learned that. And now you, you were able to do that as a teacher. You said you're probably teaching math. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's going to, I mean, obviously that doesn't really, equate that well but um that'll be good that you'll be able to use that if if needed in your back pocket for sure absolutely and you're a teacher but it's our turn to give you a quiz you ready Jeez. Oh, all right i'm here we need you to say welcome to back to the futures in spanish oh boy uh mm. all right all right Bienvenido a, a La Liga del Futuro. There you go. There it is. <laughs> I didn't get the Back to the Future. No, the Futures the League. Part, the fut I, the Futures I got League. the Futures League in there. That works. That works. <laughs> Welcome back to the Futures League, baby. Maybe that's how we'll start the show. We'll see. There we go. <laughs> uh, All right. A couple more questions for you before we sign off. We're going back sure. to here for a second. You guys are in a tough spot right now. Very similar to what you were last year. Just Always. putting that out there. <laughs> well, you finally are getting some guys back. There could be a run in store for you guys. What will it take for you guys to return to glory this season? Oh, and there's no could be. There's no could be. There, There's going to be. Um, whether we have to will it there or however we're going to do it, Nashville's going to make some sort of run. Even in 2021, 
we made a run and towards the end and we just missed. Um, but to your, to your question, I think that, you know, in the beginning, like the energy was kind of down. Like a lot of the guys were just kind of shy. Didn't really, like we had a couple veteran guys back, but they were the more quiet, more reserved veterans. Um, except for Mac and Shu, those guys are pretty loud and get guys into it. Um, but basically like now we've got our veteran, most of our veteran guys back. Um, so now you add in like myself, Welch to Shu, McNamara, Daroma, Nico, all those guys. And now like you're seeing like, okay, like now, like this group is getting funny. Like, we're messing around. Like we're talking to other team, like we're just doing a bunch of crazy stuff. Um, and that's really what has kind of led to where we're at. We're moving towards now. Um, guys are enjoying it a lot more, I think than they were in the beginning because of just the energy that's being brought. And now they're breaking out of their shells and having a lot more fun and being goofy, which is awesome. So I think that's where the run will start. And you talked about, going on a run this year but you came back and immediately you got a ring i got to see it up close with kim uh i was there on the ring ceremony night what are your thoughts on the rings i i love it i love it i think the uh the there's like a there's like a purple to it there's like a weird yeah it's different it's something a little different um but i the more i look at it the more i like it um i think my my favorite part is the inside of it where it says, let's go red team. Um, that was one of the things that KJX, KJX came out and I think it was Westfield. He came out and freaked out on us because we were, yeah, we just were chirping and like doing crazy stuff. Um, and it was funny because he was like only positive things, only positive things. So one, I forget who even started it, but they just started chanting it. We had like an orchestra out there. We were like clapping and stuff. It was really weird. Um, but they started chanting that and that was kind of like the rally cry after. Um, but yeah, that's probably my favorite part of the ring other than like my name being on it and just having the ring um, is that they put a little piece of that team in there. Yeah, that's great. And it, it was, it was so great to see you guys all, you know, first of all reunited, but also getting those rings that were very, very nice. And last question for you here. This is, this either might be a tough answer or not a tough answer based on last year, but what is your favorite all time baseball memory? Oh, I don't think there's a question. I think it is last year winning it. Um, honestly, like I've had a long career in this game and, uh, I've never like really, even, even when I was younger, like, okay, like my first home run or my first strikeout, my first no hitter, like I wasn't like brought like emotionally to like feeling what happened last year. Um, so I think that's that moment of like, Wolf hits the Homer Andrews gets a, gets a guy out that is driven in like 60 pops out to short. And then you get another guy up there for Vermont that pops out to right to end the game. Like it was just a whirlwind of emotions that like, I'll never forget. And like being able to celebrate on that field with that team um, is by far the best moment and time that I've ever had in baseball ever. Yeah. And that's so great to see. And and I'm, you definitely weren't the only one from that team because we've asked numerous people, but <laughs> yeah, that that I know how much that we know how much that moment meant to you guys, and it was great to see you guys carry that trophy at the end of the day. And as you said, hey, plenty of time here in 2023. 
That's true. I mean, I think I made a comment last year on one of the interviews. Someone was like, uh, someone asked me a question. I forget if it was, it may have been Matt, but it, or it was, uh, I forget the other guy's name that interviewed me, but they, they interviewed me and I said the Knights were naughty and um, everyone started laughing and like that, that there was that interview and there was another one at Westfield where the guys were just dying laughing. Um, so I think that, I mean, I, I can't like not say it, but the Knights are naughty. So, um, and hopefully that becomes um, another run for us and we turn this thing around, which I think we're going to for sure. So, yeah, we are looking forward to the rest of this season in Nashua and otherwise. Gitch, this has been a fantastic interview. Thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck with everything the rest of the season. And we are, we're looking forward to seeing you in Nashua, man. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. See you soon. Yeah, will do for sure. And this has been Season 7, Episode 4 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.